Welcome to the Legendarium. Are we doing this again? <laughs> are you kidding me? Why are we here? Why are we here? Welcome back, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. Finally, finally, finally. It's been uh, three weeks since my last... Confession? Bowel movement? (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Uh, Since our last uh, Wheel of Time podcast, and so I think we have been very much looking forward to this. You have been very much looking forward to this. So I hope you'll apologize for the delay, but there was some other stuff that got in the way. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but for now, I am Craig Hanks, your host. And over there, if he lived in the Tower of Genjai, they'd have called the game Snakes, Foxes, and Hairy Man-Children. It's Ryan Bruckman. And you couldn't escape from that or win either. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't value your time, so I'm putting him on fake trial. It's Kyle Lemon. I mean, as long as Elida's proceeding, or presiding i'm good <laughs> and he went to the dream world and finally accepted who he is a creepy old man it's ken johnson but it was all just a weave okay uh so welcome back everybody how is <laughs> sorry are ben, you thinking hair no uh, i i heard hair when he said that i, I literally started like just in my head started going don't stop be weaving oh god we can make no. a soundtrack with all of the songs we've come up with through the last 14 books. I just, no, just never, what a great ever. Start, How many, it's, been, it's been 26 episodes. I mean, we could come up with an album. I feel like we're, it, it's been three weeks since our last Watt podcast, and so we're really out of practice, and maybe we need to start this over. <laughs> uh, this is where you cue the, like, rewind button. Yeah. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go on. I, I do want to ask... How was everybody's week? I know you guys all saw that. What was that thing that just came out that we were just talking about? Justice League. Justice, Justice League. League. I think uh, we should talk about that next week, um, along with maybe some Punisher, because uh, I haven't been able to get to it. Uh, I've I roofed this week. Yeah. Um, I didn't know you were into the hard stuff. Didn't didn't invite me. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I like did... a good roofie as much, I mean, roof as much as the next person. No. You didn't invite me. Can now this in November, 2017, that is the wrong, the time wrongest joke in the world make to make. Joke. I know it is. But... So I just, I feel like you ought to take care of yourself I'm, a little bit. I'm all here. about counter programming. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, but I, I, I did some roofing this week on the new studio. In addition to having finished three books. This has been the longest, like, 14 days of my entire life. So, hope everybody enjoyed the Oathbringer review last week. I finished that book just in time to do the Oathbringer review. And then I finished uh, Killer Joy by John Negroni, who was one of our previous guests. And uh, and then I finished Towers of Midnight. And so, I think I've read, gosh, I must have read, I don't know, 600,000 words. Jeez. Many, easy, I easy, maybe seven or eight hundred thousand words in I'd the like last to, thirty days. I'd like to oh. point out I was right. Not not sure yet what I was right about, but I was right. And that makes me feel good. Oh, yeah. right. Uh yeah, I don't remember what you're right about. Probably nothing. You're talking about Oathbringer, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't I care. gotta get into Oathbringer still and find out. Um yeah, so maybe we get into it. I, I don't feel like I can spin my wheels much longer. Patreon.com slash legendarium, the legendarium.reddit.com and that's it. GoFundMe. And we love oh, you. Oh, GoFundMe.com slash some Excuse stuff. Excuse me? GoFund yourself. <laughs> uh, you know what? I hate you guys. I do. I, I hate you guys so much. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> Towers of Midnight. Now, I didn't draw up any sort of a synopsis for this one because I'm trying to just work that into my insults. Um, so maybe we can just talk about a few of the things that I already did. So, for instance... Um, everybody's been talking to me about how I'm going to love Towers of Midnight because Perrin finally becomes a Perrin we can believe in. Um, I I believe is, is the phrase somewhere. He becomes a man. I'm not sure. I'm totally on board with that, but I do see what people are saying, uh, because he, and it takes what, two thirds of this book before Mm -hmm. he finally shuts up and stops whining about 
his lot in life and oh this is the, where yeah oh the yeah. wolves and oh this is where Perrin leadership puts on i'm a his, bad his leader his gray hoodie and runs through the streets of Teleron Rio Philadelphia <laughs> and montage trains on how to kick ass in the world of dreams yeah yeah yep uh, I do. <laughs> sorry no I, yeah so i i get where people are coming from i still don't particularly care for him but you let's uh, Kyle walk us through uh Perrin's journey in this book. Um where where does he start? Where does he end? Um oh man, it's been a while. I don't exactly remember where he starts, but he's basically just gotten Fael back and there's still this weird and that happened in the last book, but there's still this weird thing between tension them of like Perrin still hasn't told her the whole truth about how he communicates with wolves exactly and Fael really hasn't given him the full rundown on what happened while she was captured and it's this weird and Perrin's thing. like you don't have to tell me if you don't want to <laughs> right. but then he's like back and you know just creeping out anyways um so what's going on one of the biggest things that is happening right now is Perrin is trying to get rid of all of his followers um he doesn't want them anymore and so he's going back and forth with Fael on whether he should keep people or not keep people and who he can get rid of. And in the meantime, they run into newly um, raised Lord Captain Commander of the White Cloak, Cloaks, Galad. And gorgeous man meat. And gorgeous man meat. <laughs> you could cut yourself on those cheekbones. <laughs> Wouldn't mind being pillow friends with that guy. Anyways. I got so there's no, this whole I'm not, thing. No, no, no. Um, you know the white cloaks are bringing up the past where Perrin killed the two white cloaks way back in the eye of the world. It's uh, Bayar and and is it Bornhold? Is that Bornhold. the other yes. yeah. two? Anyways, Dane, Dane it's the son of Bornhold. Yeah, they're all yeah. wanting Perrin to be executed for his crimes and calling him a dark friend and you know same old white cloaky stuff that happens. And so Gallad is coming after Perrin for those reasons. And lo and behold, we find out who Morgaze is or who Megden is. Surprise, it's Morgaze. And weird, for no reason whatsoever, she ends up being (laughs) the judge, jury, and presumably executioner in the did Perrin kill White Cloak's just, you know, was it justified or was it not? So yeah, she, she, uh, Galad says uh or no he he wants uh to execute him or he's wondering maybe i should execute him and he's like this is yeah. it was andor and he, i deserve a trial i'm an andoran subject i deserve a trial and he's like fine you can have a trial but who are we gonna have mm-hmm. judge this trial and then Surprise. gasp just drop, at that drop moment my tea. who there's, comes to yeah there's his Serve stepmother the which uh, makes no sense anyways it's there it's a thing i <laughs> was not well pleased when I, <laughs> I I could see where it was going. I hadn't heard. I I have now. Now that I've finished the book and I've kind of I'm reading a little bit about what people say about the book. I'm hearing I'm not the only one. No, no. Uh, but not at when all. I when I was reading it, even when they just said like mm-hmm. we're gonna have a trial, I was like, are are are, are you kidding me? Yeah. In book thirteen, <laughs> where you you guys see the clouds, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, we're all on the same page, right? Uh, anyway, obviously so not. I was a little bit, uh, but so that's that. that's part of what's going on with Perrin. But in the meantime, as that whole thing is getting drawn out, excruciatingly long. Yeah, um, he's in and out of the world of dreams, and he's training with Hopper, learning how to defeat nightmares and building up his strength. And Hopper has to keep telling him, like, you're not ready to take on Slayer. You can't do that yet. I'm holding him back a little bit there. And after however long, he finally tells Fael about all of the wolf stuff, like the full story. And then she tells him. I all did about like Malden, that scene, which was really cool. That was a, yeah. that was a nice, which wolf was scene. really cool. Um, and then he is he kind of has a bunch of different back and forths in the wolf dream with Slayer, and eventually, one of the saddest things so far up to date, our friend Hopper. Oh, yeah dies oh yeah i didn't care about that yeah no i uh, thought it was pretty oh sad. that's sad uh, <laughs> i'm sorry and uh then perrin comes I, out of the wolf dream and he makes his sweet hammer okay that was <laughs> he becomes thor yeah he becomes yes, officially exactly. thor. Which, which yeah he is in fact carrying around mjolnir yeah, correct? yeah. Meow, that, meow. that's exactly meow meow, meow, meow. When, I, when i read mm. that mahalinir 
Really? <laughs> meow, meow. Can no, he throw I'm, it and it'll come back to him? Can no, he fly I, with this thing? I Come on. I mean, the whole thing. It's silly. Shut up. Come Ken, on. Shut up. I, listen to me. This whole entire series has been based on little it, things like this. It is Do true. Do not start wagging your stupid little finger at this one. This this was just fine. And I, it's not the, I liked it, actually. And it's not a... It was connecting it to Thor, the comic book. I hate to tell you this, but Thor predates Thor, the comic, by quite a bit. Right. There's a whole Norse mythology Real behind Thor. it. Let me tell you about this place. No, I thought it was really cool. And I think the scene of him actually forging the hammer was really cool. Yeah. yeah of how, is it kneeled? Nailed? Nailed. Nailed. And he uh, starts, basically just starts by making the forge hotter. He's like, oh, Perrin wants... A hotter flame to forge with, and so he makes a forge hotter, and then all of a sudden he kind of just, I think, gets Taviran into creating this yeah. power weapon, and he draws in the wise ones, and they create this circle, and like, uh, one of the other Ashamans like, "What are you doing, man?" And he's like, "I don't know. It feels what right. Do do? I don't <laughs> know, this bro. Is sweet. Yeah." And it, he turns into Garth. The Ashaman are now a frat house. Yeah. Wayne and Garth show up. Party on, yelled. So yeah. Well, that's Perrin. That was well, and and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his adventures in Teleron Riod when we talk about Egwene stuff because mm -hmm. they kind of mash up. But yeah. um, what were you going to say, Ryan? Well, the first thing is that uh, that is actually a really major turning point. We now have the reintroduction of one power forged weaponry, um, and that's something that the Aes Sedai are sworn that they cannot do. They cannot forge a weapon that way. So it has to be the Ashaman. It has to be these these other groups. Who have been introduced through this? Yeah. yeah, it has to be these people because the the previous group are sworn against being able to do it. Um, but it was actually one of I think the biggest parts of Perrin's story. We've touched on it is his training in the Wolf Dream. But the fact is, is as we deal with the last battle, we're going to be dealing with the last battle on at least two fronts because you know Teleron Riod now, especially after this book, is a battlefront. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is not just this thing out there that you used to communicate a little bit. Like you can jam, you can stop people from traveling. You can affect the real world through there in in ways using uh, yeah. terror. I didn't, I didn't even talk dream about the, the dream spike, man. Yeah, yeah dream and spike. I did. I, yeah, it does. Core, it does end up crossing with Egwene's story. But I think it's. I, I find it very interesting that now here at the end we're souping up. Heron's ability in the dream world because and, and also in the real world but yes right yeah but because we know that he knows he has to be there for rand at the end but it doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be there for rand physically right right so i i expect him to be more of a guardian on the other side it just means he has um, to be was, on team rand there was one uh reddit comment i was going to save some of these but this fits really well right here let's talk about roger copernicus excellent <laughs> reddit username nice i job, hope your copernicus. last name is actually copernicus because that's fantastic uh but anyway roger copernicus asks did the discovery of power forged weapons seem a little too deus ex machina when Elaine figured out how to make Angriels, or I assume he means Turangriels, mm -hmm. she studied others and practiced versus Neald, who woke up from a dream and said, I got this. Now, I I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to go ahead and disagree. In most other series, I think I'd be right there with you, uh, Mr. Copernicus, but uh, there have been multiple instances throughout this entire series where people just kind of happen upon things and in fact, yeah. there, there's a lot of talk even now in these later books of talents among the Aes Sedai and how people end up manifesting certain talents. And that's how Egwene becomes a dreamer. And that's how Elaine figures out how to make Turangriol. Also, like, lest that, we forget, yes. Taviran. Well, there is that. And yeah. And so I, I guess I don't have a problem with this kind of popping in out of nowhere. I thought the, this was probably... Because I, I, I thought the same things like, well, that's awfully fortunate. But at the same time, I think in this situation, especially, it it really, it, it really fits the narrative that and and I got over the the naming of the hammer pretty quickly. I mean, it was like a, a really moment, but it, it's nothing big. But but having this happen, especially right at this moment, where it just kind of feels like everybody is swept up in this wave of uh, of momentum. You know, where where the Taviran is doing something and then kind of catches people up in his wave of Taviranness. It feels, yeah, deus ex machina, but I think in this case, 
it really is, you know, Deus. <laughs> I mean, it really is a, a you know, I think, God in the machine moment. Well, I, here's the thing. We don't know how this hammer is going to affect the storyline. Um, just because they made a really awesome hammer doesn't mean that it's going to be a pivot point for the story. Right. It's not like, and forgive me, I don't mean to make this sound derogatory of a piece. It's not like in Lord of the Rings where... Yeah, I'm going to use the movies, not the books, because I'll, I'll really butcher it in the books, where Elrond <laughs> shows up and gives the sword back to... Oh, God. <laughs> I hate oh, that yeah. scene so much. It's kind like, of. You know, I where, was... where it's like, okay, Wrong now you can go oh, forward. Right. Now you can go forward with this to be able to achieve the next part of your mission. Well, Now you know who you are. This hammer is more a symbol of Perrin's acceptance of his entirety, uh, acceptance of, of the wolf portion of him, of the blacksmith man portion of him, of the leader. Like It is the symbol of Perrin's story coming to a head. Yes. Um, it's not so much a, now Perrin has the power to knock a murderer straight to the ground. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> wow. Well, it, it really, I don't know why that went You're that so way, descriptive. But, uh, it's really the moment that I've, I've personally been wanting to see like several books ago. You know, it's like, just, just get onto it. Accept who you are. Do something awesome and accept that you are Taviran and that you are going to be a major player in this major last battle but but at the same time when i think about that i think maybe it is better that it just it happened right here right before at least in terms of the story because if it happened in in book 10 for example or book nine okay now he's he's awesome and now he's he, waiting on rand yeah and now he's just sitting around waiting i mean so maybe you know in Who terms also, of narrative at the end of this last book and at the beginning of this one has become awesome all three of them all three of our taviran have oh, all yeah. of a sudden rounded into shape and now you know um, exercise training montage is over. It's time to the one that I would challenge get into that the main with event. is I don't know if Matt has become full level awesome. He's been yes. that way for a while, but Matt Matt is the one of them who has never really felt like he's entirely thrown his lot away. Like, uh, or, what do you mean? Sorry, you know how parents are like, oh, I'm, I'm a man, I'm a wolf, I'm a man, I'm a wolf, and Rand's like, I've got to be strong and steel. Well, Matt's just like. I just don't want to do things that I don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. I want to do it. Like, and, and I wear my bloody fine hat while I do it. But he does. But then he ends up doing like he still always does what's right. I don't feel like I feel he has changed in terms of acceptance of leadership and things like that a bit. But he's still very much the personality he's, of Matt. He's the most recognizable of the three from book one. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, it's book three. Yes. He hasn't let his circumstances. Well, okay, yeah, good okay, point. there you go. Yeah, he hasn't let his circumstances change who he is. He's still gonna crack wise mm -hmm. and you know at least ogle skirts if not chase them. And <laughs> that so. that was one of my favorite affectations from this book, where he's still looking at all the barmaids and he goes, "I I, I wouldn't recommend her to a friend, <laughs> but, but I'm just looking out for Telmanas." <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Oh, I'd speaking chase that of if I were speaking single. of Matt. Can you give us a rundown of basically what happens with Matt in this book? I hope so. And why it takes until the second to last page for him to go on his grand adventure? <laughs> um, I don't know why it took him that long to go on it because he's had the letter for quite a while. Uh, but basically, he ends up... Um, the letter that he was given by Varen... Yes. ...ends up being opened by... Uh, Oliver. Oliver. Who... And then they realize, oh, crap. This is kind of important because now the White Tower is about to be attacked by... Camelon. Uh, 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 no, Camelon, sorry. Camelon's about to be attacked because there's an open... Um, gateway. Gate, right, or, uh, way, way what do they call it? Waygate. Way way gate. Gate. There. Um, so, gosh, now I'm, I'm stuck. I've got two plot lines twisted. Uh, that's the letter. Because got to figure that. L long story short, Matt has to go to retrieve Moraine. He takes with him... Um, Tom. Tom and uh, Noel. Noel, Noel, who, who turns out to be pretty, fairly significant. Yeah, turns out to be Jane Farstrider. It's it says it, um, that one threw me a little bit. Really? Yeah. Really? I, yeah. It, yeah. Oh, it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> I felt like it was pretty like on the nose, but well, I I don't mean threw me like um like I didn't see that coming. Oh, Although okay. I didn't see it coming, it was just that when it was revealed, I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah okay i had a, i had a moment when it was like at the moment i was like, that i had to stop and go wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute what who's jane farstrider like i remember i remember the you know all these stories of jane farstrider and i had to kind of go back and think a little bit like why do i care <laughs> answer <laughs> i don't 
like I, I feel like that's a big reveal, but I don't know why I feel it should be that big. But because it, you know, he's a, it's essentially another Brigida type character, another it's, legendary uh, figure. It's a but bigger that's... reveal in the reread too, because you'll notice. Because like that's why I was asking. Like really, I felt like it was pretty on the nose, because throughout this whole time, anytime we see Noel, there's always some kind of mention of Jane Jane Farstrider, like every single time. Oh really? And so yeah. if huh. you if you go back on the reread and you read that, and you're like. <laughs> Okay, well, I see I, what you're doing here, Robert Jordan, Brandon Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson, Brand, in, Brandon integration. <laughs> Brandon, well, Brandon just... Jordanson. I so I can see that coming, but yeah, and now, but yeah, anyway, yeah. that that's called hindsight. Ken. Hindsight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can see it coming now. Now that it's hit me, I have perfect uh, hindsight. <laughs> now um, I now I can avoid that car crash I was just in. But we deal. Uh, they go and they they get to the Tower of Genji, which. We have actually spotted way, way, way back in the series. I have the world. I have halfway the world. through yep. book one. Um, we spotted, and so Matt, you know, Matt knows where it is. They they are able to uh, get to the tower. They get into the tower, and they realize they're playing the game of snakes, snakes and, foxes. and foxes. They're that's essentially the this game has been based around the Aelfin and I and uh, Eelfin, Eelfin and Eelfin, Aelfin, Eelfin. Vowels are great. <laughs> snakes and foxes. Snakes and foxes. <laughs> uh, they go in. Uh, Matt uses his luck. Uh, as a way to find Moraine because this is a place that you can... Brigida has told him, like, I was in there for like a month and a half trying to find Guidel Kane, something like that. And uh, so he uses his luck to get them to Moraine. He makes a deal with the eel fin. Yes, yes. To... Uh, the foxes. To escape. Uh, basically saying, you have to let us out of here without... You know, you can't touch us and let us out of here. Uh, but he forgets to include the other half, the eel fin. Um, in the deal, and so they end up being basically chased, and they're going to die out of their way until he realizes the whole riddle is solved by the concept. After he loses an eye, by the way. The oh, eye. dude, that was that's kind of important. Messed up. It was painful, but that's yeah. so. It was a couple podcasts back when they talked about him having to give up half the light of the world to mm-hmm. save the world. To save the world, and you asked like, "What do you think that means?" And I was like, "I had seen a picture of him with an eye patch, and I was like, I know, oh, I know no. what it means." Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, you, so you've been waiting for like ten books just to say, just to, yeah. to talk about the fact uh, that yeah. you knew. I know Matt loses an eye, and that <laughs> riddle so, makes that. So make Perrin sense. has become Thor, and Matt has now become Odin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, nice. But speaking of which, by the way, when we get to book fourteen, I think the first thing I'm going to say is how something was spoiled for me. And boy, am I going to be upset about it. So oh. look forward to that. Oh yeah, you. I, there's, the there's, thread, there's right? a there's a thing. A- anyway. I don't know what. Yeah. Anyway, but, I'm excited to hear about that too. Uh, they end up a uh, uh, Jane Farstrider. Noel ends up sacrificing himself to give him, buy them a little more time because they know that they have to get out. And that's one of the um, ending visions that Moraine said. You know, that, right. You know, it's sometimes I see that all three you all three get out to whatever. And uh, Matt realizes that when he made the original deal, it was for a way out, and that means his Ashandarai ends up being the key that allows him to ex- uh, exit. The, and so he just side. cuts a hole Which in the is, side of the tower he he, and leaves. Exactly. Yeah. He could have left at any moment, right? Pretty That's much. That's what I understand. He yeah. just didn't know that he could. And they, you know, kept it that way because they wanted to feed off his Taviran emotional state. Right. You know, so. uh, yeah, I really liked that scene. I, I kind of wish... I Well, no, I don't know how I feel as far as should it have lasted longer. I kind of felt a little bit weird that it was literally right at the end of the book. And there was a whole lot of jerking around until That's... we got to it mm-hmm. uh, in the Matt storyline, mm-hmm. which was a significant chunk mm-hmm. of the book. And, uh, and and so sure. there's a part of me that kind of thought, well, no, you should have just gone there because, frankly, I'm, I want me some Moiraine and I want her in this book more. And we get her for a chapter. Well, yes. And also and greatly diminished. Yes, great diminished power, and that's interesting too. That they fed off of her power and basically but, yeah, drained but her dry. They, yeah, but Sanderson got around that by giving her the little Angriel so that she could. Well, so that she could feed them more, but conveniently she gets to keep it, and that's nice. Yeah, uh, but okay, that, so... that bugged me so much. All of all of the get to it, you know, nothing ever seems urgent to anybody, in the sense that. Well, I I, they find I see out they... what you're saying. I think on a narrative level that's true, but on a personal level for the characters. I think it's valuable to remember that time is compressing as we keep reading these books. What was a book uh, nine or something that takes or book 10 that's like 
over literally the span of like four eleven days, yeah, takes 11 days, days or something days. like that. But and like and, and so in this case, yeah, it feels like on a narrative level, you know, you're you guys are spinning your wheels for nine hundred pages. Well, no, they're spinning their wheels for two days because there's right. nine hundred characters to get through. Yeah, but right. it, well, not even from a narrative level. It's it, you know we got to go to the tower. But first, let's take our time getting to Camelin, and we're going to check in on Elaine, and we'll see, you know, what's going on, and stuff. We'll find well, out some dragon. How about you guys? Well, he has a commitment to there the, yeah. with Varen, he and a, then he and he also has a commitment for the dragons to create, you know, create those I, dragons and get the resources, the Bell Founders, and all of that. I get all that. So it there's just, a lot of legitimate, like I feel like there's basically is, what we're telling you, Ken, is shut up. No, <laughs> I am right. Deal with it. <laughs> well, and and not just that, but parents like, well, I should go and see what this dream spike is. Yeah, sometime. I'll, or who who was it that I should go and check out what's going on at the Black Tower? Something's going on there. I'll get around to it sometime, you know. And who was well, that? Grady Rand, or Neald or, or Rand yeah, or somebody? And Rand said something to was it Nynaeve? Like, don't, I'm I'm gonna have to don't stop go that. there. Yeah, because like, she because that was something that was really cool in this book is that Nynaeve figures out how to heal madness. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, which, oh, is, yeah. which is unheard of even for Nynaeve level of awesome. Well, even even for uh, the, Luce Theron, man. For the Age of Legends. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah this is a new thing. Yeah, so it's completely Well, new. they hadn't, I mean, the Age of Legends didn't have to deal with it much uh, once Right. Once the, this is the only age that's had to deal with the taint well, of uh, of of power rot madness, but, um, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there's madness yeah. everywhere. Yeah. We're but, all a little mad sometimes. So anyway, what were we talking about? Were you saying I, something, Kyle? Well, I don't care. I was going to go on to another point, but Ryan, you go ahead. Before we take off, that, I think that it is very cool that we get to see the progression of technology in a very magic-heavy world with the dragons. Mm-hmm. Because yes. and we've been swords I, and lances okay. and everything. Yes, I agree. Also, there's a part of me that goes, well, hang on. These Illuminators have had gunpowder for how long? And mm-hmm. now somebody's figuring this out. This feels a little fishy, but but uh, narratively, yes. But uh, they've also logically... they've also kept it very tight, like the whole Illuminators Guild or whatever. Well, right, so but like, I'm saying the Illuminators. Sure, but of it this. depends on what kind of a what kind of an organization the Illuminators are. If they are yeah. thinking of it in they, like they have zero military minded folk they're, within their guild, they're a dead organization. You know, it's strictly for this purpose and that's it and it's isolated and knowing how dangerous and and destructive their art could be to someone or it could be if someone took it the opportunity to, to study mm-hmm. it you know that's probably why they keep their guild you know so that it doesn't fall into the hands of people to turn it into a and warfare I, piece to so. your point about technology i really liked the way that sanderson handled this with Brigida acknowledging during the test like they go up to the tower and they shoot the dummies for however far away and they see a dragon actually be fired for the first time. Mm-hmm. And Brigida says something along the lines of like the world has changed in a dramatic way. Yeah. Like, and it was really cool how they like wove that in there. I, I feel like yeah. we've got a bunch of people. I'm sorry. As, as things are just rotating back into my head, I, we've got people, I guarantee you, sitting here going, I cannot believe they are not talking about this part with Matt or this and this, you know, all these things that happened yeah, we're before glossing. that. We're glossing. The, the thing is, there's also stepping back, not with technology, but back into one power usage. Um, Matt's way of handling the golem. Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> the golem? Golem. golem. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound a little funny when you call him a golem. The golem, yeah. He, they're, they're able to semi-replicate his necklace piece, and he actually comes up with a plan like, I have a way to take care of him because I know we can't kill him. Let's just send him into an eternal free fall, and in order to do that, we need someone to open a skimming space. Oh, right. And so they, I mean, they, they execute a very beautiful plan. It's not like a last-minute thought. He... This is Matt actually being a strategist and saying, I got a guy I can't kill. I can barely hurt him as it is. I need a few more of these. Mm-hmm. And so when he kicked him, when he just sends him into the skimming world, I was like, oh, yeah, that is yeah. awesome. And how he's like, I don't know if you can die, but I hope you can't die because <laughs> I want you to be falling for forever for 30 minutes. <laughs> what? Thor. Thor Ragnarok. Oh, I've been falling for 30 minutes. Yeah, I, I, okay. Obviously, I that went over your head. That movie, that movie, <laughs> talking about skimming. I, I, I enjoyed myself. I don't want to give the wrong impression, but I have forgotten most of it. So, uh, okay. <laughs> so, I do want to just mention, I love Varen. 
I've mm-hmm. always loved Varen. And now the letter is one more reason. I love Varen. Uh, what else? Who do I love? Oh, and I've always, I, I, again, I was right. Ken, you like to mention when you're right. Yeah. I was right. It doesn't happen very often. Nynaeve is amazing. She is right? amazing. And she I is want amazing. to have her babies. Um, you know, they, they'd be very powerful babies. Nynaeve is amazing, man. She could, what about she could make that happen. Um, uh, Besides the several plucking things. the she heals madness. madness. She heals madness. She takes the Aes Sedai test and yes, says, screw you, Aes Sedai. Basically, yeah. even though she ends up becoming an Aes Sedai anyways, but she kind of calls them out on their crap because within the test itself, they make it overly difficult for her, like to the point where it was unpassable. Yeah. And she, it was she her passes, Kobayashi Maru. Maru. Yeah, yeah, and she passes it anyways. Um, Which in, in she true, uses, oh, in true to naive form, too. She yep. tells him, screw you, I'm doing it my way because yep. my way is better and your way sucks. Yeah, the whole idea is, you know, the Aes Sedai needs to remain calm no matter what or whatever, and she's just like, nope, I'm not going to do that, and Bale fires the crap out of people, and basically tells Egwene verbatim, like, if it comes down to it, and I have to choose Lan over being an Aes Sedai, I'll choose Lan 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. So, I can do what I can do, regardless of whether I'm an Aes Sedai or not, I can help save the world and be with Lan without you, so... And thus the Grey Jedi So if you don't, yeah, (laughs) you don't want to... I, so Anyways. yeah, why was why was Nynaeve so great? I think yeah, Nynaeve's tendency uh, was on full display in this book uh, as far as she gets duty better than most characters in the book. Most people end up doing their duty, but she understands it on a personal, emotional, philosophical level that I think most most characters don't, and most people in real life IRL don't um and uh, and that's really nice to see cuz she so when she's with Rand she's with Rand because she knows that he needs um she needs a familiar or he needs a familiar friendly um but uh, a little stabilizing force stern yes stabilizing force in mm-hmm. his life and so she's like no he needs me I need to stick around when Egwene uh calls her to the tower she understands. Okay, well, she is the uh, the Armorlin seat. seat. I I I am bound to do what she says. Uh, so she kind of squares things up with Rand and says, "I got to go back." You know, and so there are things like that where, um, and then that speech that you were just talking about, Kyle, where she says, "Yeah, I I will choose Lan." I and so if um, how do I how do I say this? On the one hand, you might say, "Well, that's her throwing off her duty." You know, she wants to be an Aes Sedai. Well, then she needs to understand that the Aes Sedai come first. Well, I I would maybe disagree and say, look at it from another angle. She understands what her priorities are. Mm -hmm. And she goes to Egwene and uh, by extension, the rest of the Aes Sedai and says, and and is honest with them. She doesn't try to have it both ways uh, and say, I'm going to be an Aes Sedai, but secretly I will totally jump ship. Uh, She's honest with them and says up front, yeah. This these are where my priorities lie, and, and you're gonna have to deal with that. And and she even demonstrates that these priorities are theoretically the Aes Sedai priorities that you are not acknowledging, right. or that yes. you are overlooking for sake of ritual and and uh, tradition. So she basically says, you know, one of them said I can't remember which sitter says to her that the whole point of this test is that you can, you know ignore personal things and for the for the greater good and she said well if in the course of this test i see people that i care about that are in danger and that i love and that i have to give my life for them that is a greater good and so if you're saying that i need to let these people die in a real life scenario in order to maintain an isodai composure or to be perceived as what we've deemed as Aes Sedai, then your your logic is backwards because the greater good is giving yourself up to save these people. Um, if you know, I mean, there's situations. Obviously, it's situational, but the way that she phrased it basically turned their own greater good on themselves, saying mm, like yeah. you're mis you're misinterpreting what the greater good is in in these scenarios. So you can give me the shawl or not, but I don't really care at this point. It was, this, I know who I am. And at this point, there are now 
alternative options for female power users. Yeah. Like, I I would I want to be an Aes Sedai, but now there's the kin. There are others. You can't stop me. You can't forbid me from using my powers either. So yeah, Egwene set up the the Aes Sedai retirement home and. And even if she went rogue nation and was just by herself, she knows enough. Because, like, the whole idea of Aes Sedai, they never let a woman who can channel go until she can safely be in the world on her own, whatever. Mm-hmm. She, doesn't, well, she, she doesn't need them. She clearly can. It, the scene also sets up what we've kind of established several books ago, that, that Elaine and Nynaeve, Egwene and Nynaeve, sorry, really are shooting or at least destined to kind of turn the Aes Sedai foundation on its head and and change the way that thousands of years of Aes Sedai have been done you know with our their whole tut-tutting and nose in the air and you know we mm-hmm. say so and therefore it must be done and they're they're making them a friendlier more mm-hmm. uh more uh hopefully well, yeah yeah <laughs> their public relations the Aes Sedai public relations mm-hmm. network is is going through a retrofit a little bit it feels like all right yeah uh okay, what other characters do we want to talk about that who whose names don't rhyme with Manda? I I <laughs> want just briefly to congratulate myself <laughs> and Kyle <laughs> on holding our composure when you both thought Grendel was dead. Oh gosh, <laughs> right? I was we were both so like, yeah. I was so mad at that so mainly dead. because mainly because even okay. as I said it, I okay. thought. What, what? Sorry, I wouldn't know. You go, and I, then I'll go. I just, I thought, even as I said it, I'm like, way too easy. We didn't see her die. No brain matter. Yeah, um, and, and I thought, uh, maybe, but, but the body count was still the same. And so uh, I'm going to oh, count okay. that as a half win. Oh, uh, what was I going to say? Damn, I should have said it anyway. I should have interrupted it. you. I should have steamrolled you again. Um, uh, what, what are we talking about? Grandel being Grindel. alive, Grindel. because we realized that. The, the they they reveal the other side right. of the story of when talking Rand about Ryan oh and oh I was just Kyle's gonna say I, I, <laughs> we should probably mention where we're at in the story this is prologue, prologue. right yes. uh, where it's revealed that she actually sacrificed who was it Arangar Arangar and then one of the main black the, sisters because yeah. they were too busy having sexy what? time what oh that's yeah. right yeah. that's right they were making sexy out time in the, in the castle and they were she friendlies. catches just in time to realize believe, what Rand's yeah. about to do. Shifts the bond of the person that she sent up to Arangar. She jumps out of the gateway or jumps mm-hmm. out of there. Yeah. Well, she gets, gets away. She gets a uh, black sister and Arangar to weave some compulsion into what's his face. And mm-hmm. fortunately, and then realizes after she goes out looking, which by the way, I mean, transferring your, your sight into a bird and flying around, that's kind of cool. That was, I, I like that use of the power. But mm-hmm. so she realizes what's going on. And fortunately, realizes that she had these two weave the compulsion on him. So when they die, and Randall think that Randall think that, which I think is beautiful work from an author's side of things to give you such a oh yeah, because Rand makes a they they make a note of such a what now? You said that really duskily. Oh yeah, oh Oh, yeah. So that's what happens when I when I have a little uh, chest cold. Said it said it like barely. but the fact that Rand, you know, Rand actually acknowledges the the compulsion is gone, or mm-hmm. they acknowledge the compulsion is gone. So that to you cues, oh well, yep, that real that's the brain matter of Grendel. So that was it's a great misdirect um, from Sanderson. Right um, there, I, I just part of the reason you know I bring that up is not just to congratulate <laughs> our our great work there, but to to identify a moment of misdirection that was really well executed in the book. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And so in this book, Grendel is given the task. All right, you've got one more shot. You're off. You're off the Rand case, says the chief, yeah. slamming his hand on the desk. <laughs> uh, you're off the Rand case. I'm transferring you. Uh, you're on Perrin now. Yeah. Uh, go kill Perrin. Here's but a it dream was her, spot. It was your idea, though. Oh, was it? Yeah. So let's let's give credit to Grandal because she, she, first of all, she has a pair on her because she <laughs> tell, tell us has, more about this. Pair, she, Kyle. she flat out lies to Morden. I mean, she's lying back to back to back to back about the whole situation with what we just talked about with Arangar and all of that, and how she's like, "Oh, it's too bad that they couldn't get out," and you know, I did this on purpose, and I let Rand find me on purpose so that. Because the whole goal that you said was to, like, 
torture him and and try to make him even darker and so what would that do to lose theron if he realized that he bail fired an entire city and so like she's totally spinning this mistake of hers as that it was all orchestrated this is all going according to plan uh, lying straight up to morden who is basically the dark one at this point yeah and and he and you see in the scene that he has like an instant communication with the dark one and she calls it out she's like he says something to her and then he kind of like cocks his head and looks like he's listening and she's like whoa is that a direct communication to the dark one like this is nuts. Anyways, <laughs> he says it just like so that. So she she turns into a friend house, <laughs> right? Dude, and I didn't uh, know you had the dark she, one's pager number. But yeah, she flat out lies to him the whole time and then says pager number. <laughs> what year is this? I don't know. He faxes Beep. the dark one. <laughs> he just gets a text from the dark one. You up? <laughs> anyway, Netflix. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um. So anyways, she spins this whole thing that it was her plan and that, yeah, I'll be I'll be off the Rand case. Let's go after Perrin, you know, and so give give Grandal credit for that. And then the whole Morden assigns her to Perrin and gives her a dream spike. And there you go. And we're back into Perrin. By the story. way, the dream mm-hmm. spike. That's kind of cool. Yeah, the dream spike is fine. It, I, I didn't feel like there was too much special about that. It was more just a narrative device. It, it was, but it was it was kind of neat. He's I, hopping along in the dream world and all of a sudden, pink wall. What the heck is this? Well, it's one of those things that at a certain point, we, we've addressed this before uh, when de- talking about traveling. What do you do when all of a sudden your people can go anywhere at any time? Well, this if is you got you it, do. you have to make sure someone stays somewhere. You invent some way to say you can't go outside this bubble. Yeah. And that's actually the visual. No one no one in the world, except for those who live in this part of the state of Utah, will recognize this. But my whole vision of that was a pink version of the old Bountiful Bubble. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I was thinking I, this so is... I, here's, here was what I couldn't stop thinking of, and you'll have to forgive me for this. But the, the dome was kind of like a pinkish thing, right? Yes, mm-hmm. the Gungan. Sorry, the, like other the, the, the Gungan. The, the Gungan, Gungan dome. Yeah, the Dream yeah. Spike's so, described as like I was a thinking this is, this oh, is okay, where the, like a, like the a, TV show Under the Dome came from. So it's like a it's like a pinkish dome mm-hmm. that eventually gets moved to the middle of he, the Vagina Island School of Witchcraft <laughs> right. and definitely not Wizardry. Because he, he picks, up, so he there picks was, up the Dream Spike and conveniently places it there at the right time. There was some sort of uh, 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 pink button type oh, thing. I'm just, I'm just saying... It no. was I. Craig, that's all I Craig is know. pushing to find. The, how can I get the word clitoris in here? <laughs> uh, it, it, well, oh anyway, just, we're just tying it back to what our book two cast or whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> which you say convenient that it got there at the convenient time. Well, I we think... are dealing with the very fabric of reality, weaving something to try and make things happen. That sometimes it's convenience in narrative plot. Smart on Robert Jordan and Brenna Henderson to actually be like, you know what? There's We've already thing. built in this thing. There's this when, thing called Taviran. I was yeah. going to say, when I say convenient, what I mean is Taviran. So, I mean, it's it, it was convenient that it got there, but oh, hey. You know. So the question then is, can you complain about it if it is an established narrative plot point? I wasn't complaining. I was just saying. I'm, the answer is probably no. Eh, but you can complain about whether the, the, the narrative, the narrative plot as a point, whole is yeah. there. Yeah. Whether that device works, but but you know, thirteen books in, if we're like, well, that was convenient. It, there have been a million convenient moments in this <laughs> that we just say right. Tavirian, and that's there's, how that's how it a works. Reason it was it's a Reddit flare. At, at least this, at least this book series had the decency to make it a plot point and not yes. just be like, well, destiny has driven us here. <laughs> but let's, you are my density. <laughs> that's right. Well, let's get let's get back to the battle at the at the. Vagina school of witchcraft and wizardry or whatever, you know. Definitely, definitely not. Definitely not, not wizardry. <laughs> and definitely not wizardry. But I, uh, how fun was, I mean, the Masana angle on that. It's like, I'm just going to so, pop out of here. <gasps> oh. right, we need, and by the time we end this, we need to do a forsaken count because we lo- we, we've we we've knocked a few out. We, we might as well do that now. And then let's talk about uh, the, the, the battle. The yeah, Teleron so we, so we're, we're down Arangar again. We've right. got four left. Bale fired this time, so yep. not coming back. Real and we're Bale down Masana. Mind broken, yep. not coming back. Lobotomized. Peace. And I, um, think, that's I think that's it in this book. Sit, right? Right. So where are we at, Kyle? Who do we have left? Morden. Yep. Sindane. Yep. Demon Dread. Demon Dread. Mogadine. And that's it. No, and not that's it. Lanfear is Lanfear, alive. But she's Lanfear, but she's Sindane. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. So Morden, Lanfear, Mogadine. Demondred. Demondred. 
Who's Grendel? Who I'm sure is and Grendel. So five, so five, five left. Out of what was it? Thirteen. Wait, is, which is the reason? Originally. One of the reasons why I think we bring this up because the people talk about what does the book title mean? The Towers of Midnight. There's a whole bunch of possible meanings. On it's this it's one all of them the towers. Be, one of them being that they've talked about that there are thirteen forsaken, mm-hmm. and when they talk about oh, yeah. the, the true dream that Egwene has about them, that one has risen, it fell, and then rose above the other ones. They were thinking, like, okay, Moradin, who has right. Ishmael died was brought back and is now the nablus mm-hmm. um you've got the other ones that have they've crumbled already that's that's the one that i think is the most true to what is mm-hmm. being meant by this title mm-hmm. here that these forsaken are the towers of midnight some have fallen and there will be some more that still need to fall before um the end of this story right i like it so what what happens to grendel at the end though because i thought she was you know, after the whole dream spike thing failed and that comes back and you have failed me for the last time. And, and then something happens to her, right? She gets eaten or, absorbed uh, or I'm, something. I'm going to go she's, with she's still raped. around. She's still yeah. around. At least uh, mind raped. Yeah. Something. Isn't but, that what happened to who ended up getting that was raped by Shadar Haran? Was it Mogadine again? I thought it was Mogadine. Is Mogadine still around? Yeah. She is. She's on a, she's got the Kursuvra. That's right. Which I, she and she's Zendaya on Corsuva duty. I have a friend yeah. who has a Corsuva. I know I, she showed it to me, and I, originally I thought it was like just a like one of those. That's a little messed up. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> it's like you know, it, it's it's a bit like, uh, like when I see somebody ring. when I see somebody wearing the one ring around. I'm like, um, that's you know <laughs> what the, that is, right? <laughs> like, I saw a post the other day of someone who'd taken their um, mouthpiece for their trumpet. And they had engraved the, oh, the markings <laughs> on the gold piece on the outside. So they had the one ring there. I thought it was That's pretty awesome. funny. Uh, okay, jokes. <laughs> I'm I, you know, I'm exercising self-control and moving on from that particular <laughs> trumpet-based joke. Um, and I want to ask you guys. Um, oh, shoot. Where did it go? Oh, okay. About the Teleron Rio battle. And... Yes. Um, I feel like this is where maybe me and Kyle have our, you'll have to picture, I'm, I'm doing like the crossing line graph where it mm-hmm. meets somewhere. This is where me and Kyle finally meet. I love Egwene and everything she does. Well, not everything, but I love Egwene and, and so much about her. And then I don't like Perrin and I like very little about him, but Kyle's the opposite on both of those characters, but they finally meet in one scene where they're both great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they both have an excellent moment right in front of each other um, and uh, so somebody on Reddit Boy. mentioned uh, this is from Down 42 Roads he says was it's just it's just a weave the most badass moment so far answer <laughs> yes. answer no yes it is not okay however it was excellent it was so in excellent. the same way that uh, in the same way that Wonder Woman is overrated it's still a really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would, I would put that moment in probably the top five for me. Um, when Perrin does that, it's just a weave. It's, it's just, just a weave. weave. That's it's like oh, so and cool. Egwene's like, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love that because yeah. she, May- well, because she doesn't know and, at, at all that Perrin even knows how to get into the the Wolf Dream or Teleron Riode, and and then he shows up and she's like, oh crap, you're gonna get eaten, and then he just sort of. And walks off, and, and, and he's actually just referring to his new hairstyle. She's like, "What is that?" And he's like, "It's just a weave. It's on his face." <laughs> it's a classic moment. Um, there's another, very akin to Ender's game when they're going up to battle school, and Ender's the only one who can puzzle out the idea that up is up and down a relative. Mm-hmm. They are holding their real life limitations to Teleron Riod. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that Perrin has going for him is he doesn't have those same limitations as, you know, he's not a power user. He's, it's just, I, what is the dream state? It's, it's whatever's being taught to me by Hopper and things like mm-hmm. that. Right. So for him to be able to do that and immediately take like a major like plus 20 jump level, you know, he's now, he's now stronger than, I think he's honestly stronger than Egwene and then anybody else in Teleron Rio. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, so. Simply because he understands this is not our world. Mm-hmm. It is another. This is the Matrix. This is another close reality to it, um, and therefore the rules are different here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you he guys is, like that moment, but oh yeah. what he else? Is Neo I I, I was more um, uh, impressed 
maybe just because of my inclinations, as I was just talking about, mm-hmm. I was more impressed and more like, wow, that was badass uh, with um, Egwene's moment with Masana. Masana yes. clicks the uh, the idom around her neck. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've talked about it before and somebody even asked about it on Reddit, you know, how, how scared would you be yeah, of and I've thought having of an idom around your neck? Uh, Robert Jordan did such a good job at the end of book two with um, instilling that fear in me through Egwene of having that thing around her neck where when it finally does click into place, I was, I had a visceral reaction to that moment. And and especially for Egwene. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it was, it was a fantastic moment and it had been building for 11 books. Mm -hmm. And so when it finally did happen and it clicked around her neck, I freaked out the way that she was freaking out. Mm-hmm. And then when she was able to, it, cause I'm sitting there going, you, how are you going to get out of this? This, it like she mm-hmm. is like, like goes through her mind. This is exactly how you got Mogideon. How are you going to get out of this? I'm freaking out. And then she says, it's just a, it, says, essentially, it's just a weave, just a yep. weave and, and it clicks off of her. And that's when I went, okay, that yeah, was awesome. For yeah. sure. That was that was my moment I'll during grant you the that. battle. I'll grant you it. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, because it, it was a pretty awesome moment. And I have that same I reaction <laughs> every time with this the is, item. I'm just like, every once in a while, imagine. you know, we, we do try to have something to say on this podcast. Uh, you know, every, every so often we try to dip into, uh, you know, a deeper theme or, uh, you know, the, these level three as moments. Would, or as At Craig, every Todd all around say. the entire table. All four of us just went. That was awesome. That, that was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Level four. So I just want to point out that <laughs> the awesome level. Every once in a while, we just want to we just want to fanboy out a little bit, just like the rest of you. But I no shame in it. I think that it 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 was a very awesome moment. The only reason it doesn't supersede Perrin's is because hers is not possible without Perrin's. That's a good yes. point. So yeah, it's a good point. Well, and, and the way it leaves Masana, I guess at um, the end is. Wow. Yeah. Uh, once again, going back to me and Kyle having kind of opposite reactions to these characters, because I don't really care that much about Perrin, his moment kind of fell a little bit flatter for me than mm-hmm. maybe it did for some people, and that's just the way it is. Fair enough. And the yeah. and the level to which there's also a difference in the stakes of the two, not in terms of life or death, because mm-hmm. both of them are pretty much life and death. But for Egwene's, one of the reasons why it carried it can carry a little more weight is the fact that she is confronting probably her biggest and most real fear right. in that moment and and changing that this is this is if you go back quite a few books um when elaine has they're introducing teleron rio to the other Aes Sedai and they end up in the trollic cook pots and everything and they all have to figure it out you know in a moment of we're going to die so for her to do it in that moment it really speaks highly of her uh, ability to um change to, to, to own, I, I would say it's a mastery of her own mind yeah a, a mastery of herself so right? it to, in that level it is it is definitely a it is a bigger step for the character than it is for Perrin to just disperse Baofire basically right he doesn't really yeah. know what it is it's just a weave right so for, in that sense it's a bigger step but as a whole I'm still on Perrin like that one was just and I, I do, I also want to bring up, because we only have a few minutes left on this episode, fear not, dear listeners, we've got a million more things that we'll talk about on the next Towers of Midnight episode. But for now, I also want to mention what happens outside of Teleron Riod during that battle, which is that uh, Gowan shows up and does battle and uh, kills some dudes. But the first time is not completely dudes. useless, just mostly useless. Uh, so um. I, <laughs> the reason I want to, that's that's <laughs> exactly why I want to bring up Gowan because yes, that that was a good scene. It was a nice fight scene, and then he blows out the candle and kills him in the dark, and it, like that was good. Um, when I went to I went to the Oathbringer Midnight release. And uh, somebody asked Sanderson, what was your, uh, who's your least favorite character that you've ever had to write? And why is it going? And, and he says, uh, he says, well, you know, all, all my characters are like my children. And I don't have favorites and least favorites and blah, 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 blah. But he says, uh, but he says, but since I didn't actually create her, Cad Swain. And we know, <laughs> like, I think we've talked about this before. Like, he is very open about how much he hates Cad Swain. But I really want to get him to switch it to Galad Gowan. or Gowan, Gowan. Sorry, 
to Gowan because uh, Gowan is yeah, screw that guy. Easily as worthless as Cat Swain Ugh. and just as painful to read and. The- I, and gets more screen time in these later books. Oh too. my gosh! The, and and that's that's what I'm, I'm wondering. Like, what what exactly were you think? Maybe he really liked Gowan in the first. I think he might actually like books. Gowan to be honest, because he gives him a lot of. He time. really does. And like, okay, he's supposed to be a pretty decent swordsman. End of story. Man, is he just painful to be around? Oh yeah, yeah. The thing, the thing I hated most about that fight, which those blood. What were they called? Blood knives. Blood, Blood knives. knives. Oh my gosh, what a great name! Super cool, right? <laughs> and uh, those guys were so wicked. Cool. I kept wondering about those because in the last book, they yeah, were like they, they dispatched the these... five blood knives. Yeah, and... and then in the battle, I was like, wait, what happened? Oh, whatever. They must have killed them. So they yeah. showed up, and and just the name is so cool. The blood knives, and that fight was epic and awesome. And the thing I hated the very most about it was that Gowan survives. <laughs> I'm just saying. I yeah. I have a weird. I like Gowan. I, I do understand that he's out. he <laughs> is not a great driver of the story or that he's overly interesting in his own mental capacity because it's, why doesn't Egwene like me right now? <laughs> <laughs> last, what last battle? What last battle, yeah. Um, but there's, he's a less annoying version of his brother um, when it comes to duty and responsibility and trying to balance like his responsibility to his sister his love for Egwene. There's there's enough of a human being in there that you can relate to him, unlike some other some of the other characters. Sure. But like I when you have so many characters, he's probably one that you could trim down a bit. I do I do kind of like him a little bit though. Maybe in a story full of characters whose personalities bear little resemblance to the real world. The one who maybe does, I'm like, ah, screw you, get out of here. You don't belong in this story. I'd be fine with trimming the entire Tracond family screen time. (laughs) That's what I said, House Tracond. How much did we love the next succession story or where Egwene, or sorry, Elaine has to go get the throne of Kyrian. And I'm like, are we doing this again? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Why are we here? Why are we here? I don't know what I'm doing here. I was I was very upset. That better be your intro for this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I I wrote down in my notes. House Tracand. It's possible there is no fictional family more forgettable than House Tracand. Yeah. Like Morgay's just shut it already. Gareth Brynn has got to be counting his lucky stars every day that he got away from those guys. Yes. Although I did Whatever. like the I liked the Gowan versus Galad uh, comparisons and stuff. I like Galad much better, but that's because. Gal- Galad is more interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's more interesting. I like his. I like his and, Boy Scout uh, attitude. And Craig, yeah. I'm very sorry, but Bear Lane is now with Galad. I know. I you know we did talk about that last time. Where you know if she's gonna be with somebody, she might as well make some super babies, like hot babies. The two most be- beautiful people in all of right. They'll be pretty babies. And so that's that's <laughs> fine. I did. I did really like the... Oh, geez, we're almost out of time. Uh, I did really like the discussion that she had with Fael, where she goes, you know, it. no, honestly, it wasn't really about love. It's not that I loved him. It's that... It's about power. I'm thinking strategically, mm-hmm. and it was a strategic move, and I'm sorry I lost. And, and she pins well, it on Rand a little bit. Well well done for yeah. chasing me off, but yeah, well, she, it, yeah. Rand asked Rand me to do, this. to do this. I was, and so... I was trying to read between the lines. Anyway, I, I thought she got a nice little wrap-up there. Yeah. Um, I still am on Team Barrelane, uh, sure. because I'm I'm all about that strategic thinking for somebody in her position. I I liked uh, the resolution of that. I liked I liked her reasoning, and honestly, I liked her vulnerability in that moment. It yeah. there, there really was a, 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 a forced, sense of forced vulnerability. Yeah, maybe. yeah, but it's still. I mean, it's it's like oh she man, finally, hot man in the room. I can't think anymore. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was like she finally kind of admits what her machinations uh were hey, you know ryan ryan can you say that one more time just clean so that i can <laughs> chop it up and <laughs> what did I say? I don't can i put that say. as my ring oh dear there's a hot man oh there. yeah oh dear <laughs> <laughs> say it say it <laughs> you're supposed to be an actor say I, it. I am i am here we go oh dear there's a hot man in the room i can't think anymore <laughs> I couldn't hold it. I almost made it. Okay, I'm sorry. Ken was saying something. I had the vapors. I'm... 
Oh, I'm done. That was okay. My final All thoughts right. over. You, then we're done because uh, our hour is up, ladies and gentlemen. And on that note, <laughs> I I really wish we had started as weird as we ended. Uh, but whatever, you get you get what you pay for, I guess. And for most of you, I, I that's look, nothing. I look forward to the Reddit, forward to the Reddit thread discussing my sexuality. <laughs> I do declare, Mister Beauregard. <laughs> Uh, all right, so everybody, thank you for listening. <laughs> we really do have to go before we say something even worse. Um, and uh, once again, patreon.com slash legendarium. Support the show. Uh, maybe you'll, you'll get less than what you pay for if you help us out there. Uh, the legendarium.reddit.com is where you can go join the conversation. And I've also linked to a uh, guest appearance that I did this week on the Cinemaholics podcast uh, talking about Justice League. And boy, oh boy, was I ever out of place. <laughs> they know things about movies, it turns out, being the Cinemaholics. But I, you know, I tried my best, so you can go judge me. Um, check, check that out on the Cinemaholics and... For next week, I believe we're planning Justice League for our own podcast. I can steal some things from the Cinemaholics, maybe, and, to and say on this one. And I think, yeah, we'll try to throw something else in there. Maybe some of Punisher Season 1. I don't know if I'll finish it in a week, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, and then the week after that, so two weeks from now, the second Towers of Midnight, Midnight discussion. Uh, that should do it. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Next time.